Thanks for listening to the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Live from Radio Row in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. Welcome in. Dan Byers here. Jason Stewart's here. We didn't let John Ramos come here because, you know, there might be a Ram here and it's just a love affair. <laughs> we take him to, you know, the preseason practice. That's uncomfortable enough. The great Elijah is here, of course. You see all of our digital stuff. Welcome in. I, I say this every year. It's true every year. I love being at Radio Row. We'll have an amazing list of guests. But Monday at Radio Row is oftentimes like if, you, if you're the first one to a party. Right, your first one. If you're one of those people that gets to a party, it's at 7:30 on the invite. You get there at 7:30 and you arrive, and the wife's still getting ready, and the husband's like, "I don't know, man. You want to help us set up? I don't. Right? I don't want to. Do you want to help us kind of set up?" And you feel like, "Wait!" And you're checking your phone, like, "Did I get the invite time? Where is everybody?" You start to think about bailing early, only to eventually people start trickling in. That is Monday at Radio Row. We experience it every single year. We are here for the duration. Um, a lot to get to. Okay, we do have some basketball with the NBA trade deadline upcoming on Thursday. Uh, you do have you know, some blowups on the sidelines. You have the issues in Brooklyn. You have the issues in Philadelphia. Okay, so we got some hoop actually to talk about. Not to talk about baseball. Nobody cares. They're not playing. They're not agreeing. Maybe they have a lockout and a strike or whatever to stop the season. Maybe they do not. Okay, college football, it feels like Auburn's trying to figure out a way to get rid of Brian Harson, but again... This is, this is cyclical with Auburn, right? It's Auburn's good, then they're bad, then they disintegrate, then they get a new guy, then they're good, then they're bad, they disintegrate, right? Meanwhile, Alabama's good every year. But the NFL, now that's interesting. Obviously, we have the game on Sunday where whoever wins, we're going to make him out to be far greater than he actually is, maybe. I don't know. Like, I was driving in, I was listening to Cowherd tell me, basically, Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers, same guy. I don't know. I watched football a long time. Don't think that's the case. And while he played exceedingly well in the playoffs, I do remember several games in the regular season that he personally lost the game for his team. Kind of hold that against the quarterback, whereas Aaron Rodgers did not. Again, we can get into those discussions. But probably the most interesting thing continues to be the hiring after the firing of coaches in the NFL. And so uh, now we have one Minority candidate who got a job over the weekend? Like, we're like, we're, what, 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 what? Jason, Jason Stewart, what? What? I, I had not known that that candidate was multiracial until Adam Schefter felt the need to point it out when he broke the news. I, I find that peculiar, but uh, what do you find? Why do you find peculiar? That he breaks the news of a major uh, sports head coaching hire, and he felt the need to point out that he identifies as, as a certain right. race. I felt that to be peculiar. Rappaport did as well. Yeah, I'm, but, I, you know, again, part of it is if you're following on social media, Mike McDonald, who's the now the, the – Mike, Mike McDaniel. Sorry, Mike McDonald. Mike McDaniel, who's the <laughs> – You can't run from them. All the Dolphins are going to do very good. Uh, Mike McDaniel, who's on, is on a plane – to become, be announced as the Dolphins' new head coach. 
He doesn't look like a minority candidate, right? I mean, that's like we're like we're, we can sit here and beat around the bush and say all kinds of different ways of the same thing. So most anybody who is try, paying attention to the NFL and Brian Flores is suing the NFL and saying they're racist in their hiring is like, see, you're like, no, 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 hold on. He's actually I don't it doesn't shouldn't actually matter, but it does matter. I mean, it's like it's like we said it. Honestly, I know what people think. I understand that when Roger Goodell comes out just days after the NFL put out a statement saying the lawsuit has from Brian Flores has no merit, and then he basically says, hey, fellas, we got to do better. You're like, wait, those are contradictory memos. I don't think they are because I think what Roger Goodell is saying is what most people think, which is like, look, the hiring practices, they are what they are, and you're allowed to hire whoever you want to hire, but anyone can look at it and go, that." That doesn't look great. It just doesn't, you know? The, the, the problem with the argument is you'll get people who will say, well, the Giants. Well, didn't the Giants have Jerry Reese as their GM for a long time? Like, wasn't he, a, like, over a decade, like, their, their GM? So y- you're only racist now in your hiring practices, but not then? That, that one is really confusing. And then, of course, Lovey Smith looks like he's going to get the job in Houston where maybe they wanted to hire Josh McCown is their head coach. I told you Brian Flores was toxic. No chance you get a job when you're suing the NFL, and I believe that's the case. I believe he'll be kind of locked out of the NFL, if you will, which is what happens. In, all of this stuff is what happens in business, right? What happens in And by the way, the other thing that happens in businesses, businesses copy one another, and they try and top one another. That's why Mike McDaniel, not Mike, Mike McDonald, <laughs> Oh, he just <laughs> on me. Um, that's why he has the job, because he's one of the young, smart, brainiac dudes who's really well-respected, who's been with Kyle Shanahan going back to the Atlanta days, the Washington days, and has respect throughout the league. But look at the two coaches who are coaching on Sunday. <laughs> They're, again, all kind of apples of similar trees. And I don't believe it has anything to do with race. I think it just has to do with the fact that the, the NFL is evolving into a – you have on one side what Dan Campbell's trying to do in Detroit, which is, you know, he's the energy guy and then hire all former players as coaches. And a good portion of the rest of the league is trying to hire the smartest dudes possible, the youngest dudes possible, regardless of race or even background or even if they played football. It's more, hey, we're trying to be smarter because – Honestly, I feel like players are smarter, and they want to be challenged by people who have done the work. And I think that's the case with general managers, right? Like, again, you see the, the Bears hired a former player, Ryan Poles, but again, seen as a really smart guy, a BC guy, and then Quezzi uh, uh, Adolfo Mensu is hired, again, like brainiac dude who's from d- the derivative market. He's got an Ivy League degree. That's the trend in the league is young, smart, analytics, and finding a way to communicate with players on a level that's above the, hey, I played and listened to me sort of thing. And then you have Lovey Smith with the Houston Texans, and the Texans feel like they're a mess. And it's not because Lovey wasn't a Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl coach. He took the Bears to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman as their quarterback, by the way. Remember that? That was a really weird Super Bowl when he had to answer questions about who his starting quarterback would be going into the Super Bowl. Rex Grossman's our quarterback. Rex Grossman's our quarterback. That was, by the way, the year that Denny Green authored the old, they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook, right? You want to crown them? Crown them? Mm-hmm. They were who we thought they were, and 
they weren't let off the hook by the Indianapolis Colts, right? The Colts beat them in the Super Bowl. That, yes. was, that was Peyton Manning, yes. So the, the point is that I, I think we have all of these stories, but to me, I actually, it makes sense what Roger Goodell is saying. And it does make sense that Lovey Smith was hired with the Texans. He has equity with the team. He ran their defense. And there wasn't any way in hell that, that you can be a Houston Texans organization when your owner has been accused of things. And remember, the Houston Texans, they had a black general manager for a long time. They did. And then people thought Rick Smith did a bad job. I actually thought he did a pretty good job. He lost his job. And then the coach had the power of the head coach and general manager. And that didn't work. That was Bill O'Brien. And kind of here we are. But I, I, I think that Roger Goodell kind of speaks for everybody sort of in the middle. Is like, look, the, the procedures, they are what they are. And the, the, the idea is getting different voices and faces in front of you in order to interview. The problem with it is it just doesn't appear to be working well enough. And we all got to do better. Because we all got to get to the point to where we don't look at a coach and go, well, he's a white. We don't look at Mike McDaniel getting a job and go, like, well, is he white or is he black when he gets the job? Oh, he's white. Wait, no, he's black. You, that, we, shouldn't, we should be evolved past that. I do think we actually are. But the problem with it is the numbers just jump out at you. I don't think it has anything to do, by the way, with, well, there's 75% players in the NFL and, and there should be, like, it's a different field. Right? It's a different field. Radio is the perfect example of it. Television is the perfect example of it in that, yes, for analyst roles, oftentimes you have to have played. And I do think that as a coach, it helps when you have played. Do you have to play in the NFL to be a coach in the NFL? The answer, I believe, is no. Does it help? Of course it does. But you also have to remember that most of these coaches, they played some sort of football and even the Sean McVay or the uh, Brandon Staley playing small college football, and then they get done, and they immediately go to work as a coach. I believe that playing like Josh McCown did for 18 years, I think that actually qualifies you as a coach. But many people do not. They think you had to have coached in order to coach. Now we got a lot to get to this week. I, 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 I would like to champion, pat myself on the back. I thought Brian Flores, when he was initially fired, I think he would have gotten the Texans' job. I believe it. He w- Those are New England Patriot guys. They need a strong voice as a head coach. It helps him that he's won games. He brings credibility, and he has a relationship with the front office. Those are all expatriates. I don't mean expatriates where there's Americans living overseas. I mean, they used to be with the Patriots organization, and that's how it works in all businesses, especially the NFL, where if you work with somebody, there's a comfort with somebody, and he has respect of guys in the locker room. I think he would have gotten the job. I think he cost himself the job with the lawsuit and with the follow-up interviews and many of the ac- accusations in the lawsuit that didn't actually have anything to do with racism. Had he simply talked about the the hiring practices and kept them along the racial ba- uh, racial discussion, I think he still would have had a shot and maybe gotten it had he pointed out the all the issues in Miami, whatever your perspective is, whether they really paid him to dump games or not, or how he was the narrative within that building. Had he simply you know, filed a wrongful termination lawsuit, I think he would have been hired in Houston. But when you factor in that he's suing the entire league in a class action lawsuit, calling out all the hiring practices of the league, and then he's airing dirty laundry saying, 
John Elway was hungover, and they tell me to dump games. And then he goes on the media blitz. He doesn't get a job that he probably should have gotten. And I think he would have been really good at. And, and to the other people in the media who have picked up my quotes from last week where I said he should have been, what was the word that we used? That he should have, um, um, there was a word that I used last week uh, where he, he should have been, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of blanking Jay Stu on the word, in terms of how he should have reacted to when, when he was let go. What was the word I used? You don't remember? I'm Googling it. I'm Googling our own I, show's I remember, comments. Doug. But you're Elijah, right. Elijah, do you remember you posted the thing? What did I say? You definitely stirred it up. Yes. I remember that. You got a, a yes. huge, uh, you, you got some, some big reaction. Contrite. He should have shown contrition. Okay? So let me explain how it actually works to guys like this is to, there's a guy, Roland Martin, is that his name, right? Didn't he used to work at CNN? Now I think he does his own shop, right? He's, he's, a, he's a political commentator. Let me explain what I mean in terms of contrition. Uh, I come from a world, of, of, a family of coaches. And when coaches get fired, most of them are have contrition. They start kind of go through the things they could have done better. Now, in sports, a lot of times they sit there and go like, if this guy didn't get hurt, if that ref didn't screw me, if this kid would have showed up on campus or not flunked out, or if this game would have gone one different way. What I mean in terms of contrition is he may not have deserved to be fired. There may have been, he may have been right with all the things he pointed out about Chris Greer. He's probably right that they shouldn't have drafted Tua Tugavailoa. Right? Like if he said, hey, you know, at the end of the day, if, if privately he said, you know, had we just drafted Justin Herbert, <laughs> I'd still be employed. You know? But when I say contrition, all you have to say is like, look, some of these, I probably could have handled what I said better. I could have handled this situation differently. I could have handled how I spoke to the owner differently. I could have handled how I worked with people. Because if you don't do that, again, you're, you're going into that realm of repeating the same mistake over and over again, which is the definition of insanity, right? So when I say contrite, I'm not saying contrition for not getting jobs. I'm talking about what almost every coach I've ever seen, they go through, when they get fired, they're everybody's best friend. And, they're the night, and they get back to being normal human beings because they're not head coach and people don't address them as coach and try and, you know, there's not a, a people circling around doing everything they can because their words matter. Right? When you're a coach, you're a powerful empire emperor of your little fiefdom. That's how it works. And a lot of times, guys' egos get a little bit out of control. And a Brian Flores, what everyone that I know in sports is saying is, man, he was hard to work for. You know? A position coach would get there at 5.30 in the morning and he's waiting for him in his office to just line him out on all the things that his position coaching was, was going wrong. You know, going through three completely new staffs in three new years, especially in the offensive side of the ball. If you come out and go like, look, I probably could have, my first hire, I could have handled it differently. I could have let those guys do their thing. I could have been a little easier to work for. I could have listened more and talked less. Like all the different kind of cliche sayings, which you actually do have to do, it's your first head coaching job. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to rub people the wrong way, either for being too uh, bold or being too viewed as too meek. So when I say contrition, it's more for any mistake you've made. Because if you give, it's just like in humor. If you're slightly self-deprecating, your hardcore humor goes over way better. If you give us a little bit of something, hey, I could have done this differently. Hey, I could have done that differently. 
Instead, Brian Flores is still in the I did nothing wrong. They're all idiots. And the reason I'm out of a job is the color of my skin. Right? When the problem with that is the guys who you wanted out, the guys who the owner sided with are also black. The GM, the assistant GM, the director, player personnel, right? So it doesn't, the narrative and what you're creating, one doesn't fit with what's seen as a reality. But more than anything, when I say contrition, it's more, hey, I made some mistakes. I could have done things better. Next time, I'm going to be even better. Just like Belichick. Privately, do, does, will Bill Belichick say in Cleveland he did anything wrong? Probably not. But publicly, you got to give us something. Even if it's fake contrition, a little bit of contrition goes a long way, and I believe he would be a head coach today, but he's not. Speaking of not contrite, Russell Westbrook, not contrite. Uh, Russell Westbrook did not play the NPCD in an overtime game, a win by the Lakers against the Knicks two nights ago. What does it mean for Russell Westbrook now and into the future? We'll get to that upcoming next, but first, Better Sportsbook wants to invite you to discover the complete sports betting experience. The foundation of that experience is a massive number of betting options on nearly every regulated sporting event around the world. Now, you add on top of that live streaming of sports every day. There's almost always a live match to watch on Better Sportsbook right in your phone. Better features top-tier customer service, and they're ready to answer your questions anytime, day or night. Plus, with unique Rush Pay system, Bet River Sportsbook can authorize most withdrawal requests instantly, and customer satisfaction is always the number one priority. Bet Rivers will match your first deposit up to $250. Unlike some other sportsbooks, Bet Rivers only requires a one time pay through to turn bonuses into cash. Now, you got to experience the difference for yourself. Go to betrivers.com. That's betrivers, B E T R I V E R S.com. You must be 21, present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana. Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Virginia, New York to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLE. Remember, that's Bet Rivers Sportsbook at BetRivers.com. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. We only play Brass Monkey because that's uh, John Ramos' uh, morning drink. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I lied. I was like, why is Ramos? He's in such a good mood every day. I was like, he's drunk. Come on. John's going to be here tomorrow. Really? Yeah. Tomorrow, so right? So I'm doing tomorrow from home? Is that what it is? I, John, we have a, <laughs> I would be I, at home. I got a restraining order against him. Just, <laughs> you know, once this Rams got to the Super Bowl, the daily texts of how awesome the Rams are and how much the Chargers suck not even making the playoffs, it gets a little much. And so I, you know, I got a little restraining order against him. My understanding is that I can only be six feet apart from you. That's what I, my, my understanding is. So. There, there, there you go. That's, that's the great John Ramos. Uh, Darren Rebell will join us uh, momentarily. We'll talk uh, ticket pricing. Right. Uh, we'll talk about this, the, how much this Super Bowl is going to resonate with the Bengals in it. Uh, how odd it is, really, that we didn't have a home team Super Bowl forever. And then now we got two in a row, Yeah, which I guess is good for the Arizona Cardinals next year. Maybe. I don't know. Or the Raiders in two years. Uh, we got we got a lot to get to. Um, I did hear this. Trevor Lawrence is he's a decent quote. He's not a great quote, but he said this about the hiring of Doug Peterson as his new head coach. We're really excited. Obviously, you know, I talked to him briefly on the phone. Um, I guess that was Thursday night. And then today, first time meeting him in person. Um, just seems like a really great guy. Obviously, he's had a lot of success. You know, his resume kind of speaks for itself. And, you know, he's an offensive guy. You know, he played quarterback in the NFL. All those things, you know, 
make me really excited and, and something that I'm just excited to get to work with him and see what he brings to the table. So I think everybody's excited. Uh, everybody's really relieved. You know, we got our guy. And, and to be able to move forward and just go to work now is a good feeling. Yeah, well, look, you got a guy who's been a professional coach. He's been a quarterback in the NFL. He's seen as a little bit of a quarterback whisperer, pretty pretty good with the position, although it should be pointed out that he kind of butchered the whole quarterback thing at the end of his run with the Eagles. But he's won a Super Bowl. I mean, checks a lot of boxes. You know, we do have a trend of offensive guys being hired in the NFL for the most part. Obviously, the Bears went against that. I don't I don't actually think it totally matters. It, it doesn't. You know, it's what is your plan for offense? Because if you look at the the group, and this is where, so we had Solomon Wilcox on last hour. He's like, you know, this whole idea of knowing each other, working together. Like, okay, well, the Buffalo Bills were terrible for 17 years, and then they hired a head coach who brought his GM with him. And by the way, the head coach is a defensive guy, and then they hired Brian Dable to be run their offense, and it seems to have worked out kind of awesome, hasn't it? So I, I don't know if you have to be an offensive guy or you have to be a defensive guy. Lovey's a defensive guy. Eberflus is a defensive guy. Peterson is an offensive guy. you got to hire guys that know what you don't know and let them coach. I mean, look, it couldn't go any worse than it went with Urban, right? And, and this one is a pure case of Byron Leftwich overplayed his hand. Had the job. Didn't want to work with Trent Balky. Balky seen as a guy that could be difficult to, to work with or at least from his perspective. And, you know, he tried the power play and didn't do it. Now, uh, there is a chance, less than an outside chance, that Leftwich knows if Bruce Arians quits today, which could happen, or this offseason, or next year, he could be the guy. I think it's him, or obviously you got Todd Bowles, mm-hmm. too, who's been a head coach before as, as well. Um, I, I do find it interesting, though, that Leftwich turned down a job with a team that he was synonymous with. And a team that had a quarterback and clearly wanted him to work with that quarterback. Were you going to say? I was going to just your point about that because I thought the same thing. And I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then I went back and looked at Byron Leftwich's tenure with Jacksonville. Okay. And he was only there four years. So, so you know, like, but so, I agree so wait, with wait, you. Wait, like, wait, I, wait, wait, wait. Um, I'm, I'm not looking at stats. Do you have them in front of you? Yeah. Okay. So Byron Leftwich played how many years in the NFL? Uh, Byron Leftwich played... Eight years. Eight years. Um, and how many teams? Um, four. Four teams. I'm trying to think. Do I know? I'm sure he played for uh, the Raiders at some point. No, he didn't. But two of them I would not have guessed. That, uh, that Byron, hold on. For. Byron Leftwich. Byron, I just remember him with the Jaguars. Yeah. I, and at Marshall. Yes, That's, correct. Those are the two places I remember he went, him with. He went to Atlanta the next year and then Pittsburgh and Tampa and went back to Pittsburgh. That's what, what his career was. I do remember was. him as a backup in Pittsburgh. Yeah. David David Garrard was the one that ended up taking over then. David and, Garrard. Yeah. So they had, um, what's his name, the left-handed quarterback. Mark Brunel. Mark Brunel. Right? Was Mark Brunel to Byron Leftwich, or was there somebody in between in the, in the handoff? Um, gosh, I think that's that, no, that's probably pretty, pretty close because Leftwich was drafted in 2003. So, and the Jaguars just came in. Mark Brunel was a bad boy, right? When he was healthy... Well, when they had Jimmy Smith and um, Keaton McCardell, right? Fred Taylor. Fred Taylor. Yeah. Good team. 
good team. What what brought them down was the expansion draft, right? Because they had uh, they lost Tony Baselli to the expansion draft, and then Tony Baselli never never played. Well, they drafted Tony. They got Tony Baselli was their first ever draft pick. Yes, they actually changed the expansion rules because Jacksonville and Carolina were so good. Yeah, they were allowed to sign free agents any free agents that you wanted. So the NFL after those that year, remember they were in the conference title game, and they're both in their second years. Yes, yes. Can I speak for everybody I know? Sure. I, it's really hard to get me to care about the Winter Olympics. I mean, honestly, like last week, I, I should have been. What they should have done is they should have had the cool Winter Olympic sports last week, right, after the conference, like after the conference championship games and all throughout the weekend instead. But, I, you know, like and it's hard when it's on delay. Right, it just is. It's hard when it's the Winter Olympics. But like hockey should have been hockey finals. But now the hockey's not. Who's playing no. for the hockey? Yeah, there's just a bunch of guys. No NHL players. College guys? Yeah, I'm not even sure. Yeah, like, no, well, college is in the season, so I don't know. Maybe it's just minor league guys. I'm not. I'm not even I mean, sure. Crazy. I don't know. Do you, I mean, honest, honestly, do you care? I n- no, I don't. And I really like the Winter Olympics. I think there are a lot of factors. I still think it's COVID. I think the atmosphere. I think the China angle of it is, you know, I, there's just there's a lot of. It's not a feel-good games, you know. Like they're just—they're not. They're not at all. And and I think that is part of the Olympic lure that brings you in, is it makes you feel good. What do you normally just, like about the Winter Olympics? I just like the unique events. I I think something like bobsled and luge are interesting. Yeah, I, I think, think speed, cool. speed skating is awesome. Like like when you know when they do the cross, and the like I. Shh, shh. Yeah, I think it's. I their think it's legs, really good. All their legs are oh, like ridiculous. Yeah, they're all Saquon Barkley. Like they're yeah. all just quadzillas. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's it. It truly is. Like that stuff is. I like is really the. Neat. Is it the biathlon? Is that the one where they ski and then they shoot things? Yes. That's pretty amazing. I'm not really sure how much that actually comes into, but that, that you know, may, maybe when you're in a Nordic country or you're in Canada and you gotta, you know, shoot a moose and then ski <laughs> out of the way, well, you, that, that that works. You know, and I grew up in Wisconsin, so you have like, you know, Dan Jansen was a big story, yeah, obviously. So that you know brings me in. Uh, a lot of the speed skaters train in West Allis, Wisconsin, just outside of Milwaukee. So there's that tie into it, but yeah, there's just a lot of different factors that are making this games a little bit. Yeah, the other part exciting. is they, the, the basketball is the Summer Olympics when it should be the Winter Olympics, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it should be well, it's indoor, indoor activity that occurs in it, the winter. Even the, t- the the time difference isn't that big of a deal because there are events that are shown on NBC that are going on just the next day over there. So they're in prime time for us, but it's already, you know, like they'll be airing tonight on Monday night, but it'll be Tuesday over there. So well, time it, it's Tuesday night. No, it's it'll be. Nighttime for us, but the events will be going on Tuesday afternoon. It's like a 16, 17 hour time difference. So it actually kind now of works they, out. Are they airing things live or are they airing them on tape delay? Some of them, are, some of them actually are live. Yes. Okay. okay. I'm just going to. But it doesn't matter. See, that's a, like, it, who cares? You know, like they, some of them are live and it's not going to make a difference. People no, but the, the taped event thing is kind of like you ever had a. You ever had a book that had the answers in the back, right? Like you're doing homework, you have yeah. the answers in the back, and you're like, ah, I got the answer in the back. It's really hard to read this book or to know it's, what's, what's happening. Or if somebody gives away the ending to a movie, uh, let's bring in Darren Ravel, who, who joins us from the Action Sports Network. Darren, do people care about the Winter Olympics? Nope. I know there are people. I, it's getting, I know there it's are people. More, it's, go ahead. Yeah. I think it's getting more and more irrelevant. I mean, I think some of it's obviously fatigue from, like, wait, there's an Olympics already? I thought we just had an Olympics eight months ago. So I think that's one. Um, you know, winter is always hard. 
uh, unless it's, you know, I, I feel like people aren't even paying attention to figure skating this year. So, uh, I, I, listen, it's, it's, it gets increasingly irrelevant, and then the time zone kills it. Uh, just just makes it very difficult, especially when we don't tape sports and then watch them anymore for the most part. It's, it's live or nothing. Darren Ravel joining us. You cover a ton of different things, especially in the financial aspects of sports you always have. Um, you know, initially, when the, when the teams, when we figure out who's playing the Super Bowl, you start to get some pricing for tickets. Uh, what, what's, the, what, what's it look like to get in the building? What's it look like to get good seats for this, this Super Bowl? I mean, to get in the building right now is like six, seven thousand bucks, which is, you know, if that's the average, it's going to be the most expensive ever. But I would say right now, I don't, I don't think we've seen the number of sales that we need to see. So I don't know if it's going to be either a late arriving LA crowd appropriately, or if it's just going to maybe fall out. Um, I don't think like the general malaise over like, hey, the Rams don't really have any like fans like i don't think that really matters i think there's there's definitely a we're sick of covid let's go out of the house and watch you know go to the super bowl i think there's some like bounce back there so i'm not really sure uh i would say that from you know a content standpoint not to have to rehash mahomes and brady against really nice doug It, it, it is, but but as much as you and I and, and most people in the media, we tire of the same stories again and again. The reason right. we tell the same stories again and again is people like playing the hits. And, yeah. yeah, that, that is and true. And the Cincinnati Bengals I mean, are not a hit. They just, they're not. No, no they're not. We like I, I, yeah, they're, they're not. Um, I think it's like Joe Burrow and who and, and, and who day, really who day. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, obviously Stafford is kind of like ho-hum. Uh, seen as unremarkable, seen as serviceable, but you know, at least you have. I like I like that Odell gives you a little bit extra flash to go with Cooper Cup, uh, and I think McVeigh has some uh, has some uh, appeal. But after that, I mean, yeah, no, you're right. You you want to see Tom lose it or Tom win it, or you know, you feel like it's definitely going to be a moment of greatness no matter what. But um, yeah, I don't. I I I I think there's not. I think the, the lack of energy this week will be because things are virtual. Okay, so but again, what, what, so the, the tickets are more expensive than ever, right? Yep. What, yeah, although, what, although not, maybe not enough sales to tell yet. Yep. No, but they're more, I'm talking the face value of it continues to go up, right? Like there's yes, face they, value yes, tickets correct. that are... 3500 3500 yeah. For Brady's first Super Bowl, the face value is 400 and now it's 3500 uh, you know, 19 years later. Wow, that's 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 pretty remarkable, and we don't know we don't know yet what the markup is going to be like on the secondary market. Darren Ravel joins us, Action Network Sports Business and Business of Sports betting reporter. Um, it's at four and a half, and right? A half. Four, yeah. four, four yep. and a half. Um, what, what the the early money is on which team? Well, right now at see when you look at throughout the year, when you look at throughout the year, there there are the bookmakers don't necessarily need to balance things. They don't want to balance things. They take bets like we do. So there's, you know, 80% of the money's on one team, 70% of the money's on this team. Super Bowl is a little bit different. I think bookmakers try to get a better balance, and the line is more refined. And at four and a half, at most sports books, it's 50% both sides. So that seems to be the perfect line, and I think that's probably why it's going to stay 
until maybe 24 hours before, but it's not going to cross over any sort of key number. It's not going to go under three, so it's not going to matter. That's why some people say, hey, I'm either going to do, I'm either a Bengals money line person or a Rams money line person. You know, I think at four and a half, it is very refined, and that's why it's at 50-50 split. Darren Vell joins us, uh, the business of sports guru. Uh, we'll, 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 you we'll have be... to use guru at least once because you were the first to call me a guru. You were, you were a guru before there was anybody else. Yeah. You cornered the market uh, that we did yeah. not know was a market that <laughs> that, need, that needed to be to be cornered. Um, it does feel like, though, that Joe, Joe Burrow has the potential to kind of be a Joe Namath-like character, right? Where he's not with the necklace, the sunglasses, the swag, some of the things he says. Does he have to win in order to win on Madison Avenue? Win eventually, but I mean, I think he's come a long way. I mean, don't forget, you know, these guys were 150 to 1. Um, You know, so maybe you would have found the 99 Kurt Warner Rams at 200. But basically, you know, great long shots. Not long shots like Namath in the game. You know where where they were eighteen point underdogs for the Colts in, in Super Bowl three, but yeah, I mean, listen, the the, the the swag is for me that was unexpected. The pregame swag and his his ice on him, um, but I think I think it's kind of nice. I think uh, I think if you just look at the money that people are spending on on cards of his, you know, they're they're already baking in that he's going to be the next one. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fascinating thing to watch for a a, a franchise which. Uh, has a has a reputation of uh, of being cheap and has a reputation of even when they were good they couldn't win a playoff game and now all of a sudden here they are in the back in the biggest game in uh, in in American sports. Dan Ravel joins us. He is the guru of of sports <laughs> business. He is the absolute guru of sports business. Um, okay, so so Darren, help help me out. Um, one of the other things that that you like to tackle is some of the salaries of broadcasters. What ends up happening? What ends up happening with Troy Aikman? Does the, does he go to Amazon? Does he do, do both? Yeah, I what mean, so so I, I I don't know if this is uh, the whole like that sports broadcasters through you know Romo and like a Drew Brees and like the new age of guys that that are getting fifteen to twenty million. I don't know if it's about that or if it's about like how quick is Amazon and and these guys, the tech play guys, gonna gonna turn and try to beat out, you know, ESPN for rights. I think it's already beyond, behind on what we predicted. Years ago we said, well, oh, dude, they're in trouble. ESPN's in trouble because, you know, Disney's cash flow used to be seen as the biggest in the business, and now you have Amazon and Apple coming in, and, and you know, their piles of money are so much greater. So I, when we say the Troy Aikman thing and Amazon's going to come in and, I I don't want to make predictions because I've already been behind on my predictions. I thought in 2015 Amazon would be fully in and that ESPN would be losing rights deals. So, yes, they they can give Troy Aikman 15 20 million in their in their uh, proverbial couch cushions, but uh, I think it just depends on whether they want to make a big move. So so what are, what are the next rights that are up, right? If they have they have some, but uh, NFL does... just got renewed, right? And NFL just got renewed. I mean, there's really not. I can't think of any substance like that. Now they're going to have to wait until like twenty. Like college is some college deals are renewed through twenty thirty five. I mean that that's what's like 
I feel like Amazon and Apple and those guys kind of missed the last the last boat, um, you know, at least in the immediate future, because there's not really anything that's up. Uh, unless they buy a company, right? Buy or, those rights, right? Right, exactly. But the, you know, if you if you, buy, if you buy ESPN or if you buy right. so, you know you buy something, then you absorb their rights. That is a at least a legitimate possibility, considering I mean, just in the past couple of days, how much money they're making. Yes, but as 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 Michael Rubin of Fanatics with his with his top steel, you know, taught us, you know that that rights are just rights, and you know, it, it, there's there's other ways around it than buying the incumbent and and but right now I, I feel like amazon and apple kind of ruined that opportunity the last time around maybe it wasn't their prerogative maybe they didn't want to get into it but i i always thought that they'd be further into it than they are today i did too i did too i thought yeah. Yeah. i thought that you know a yahoo and then they would use the, the the tv companies would become like a production arm to it i didn't realize that they were going to do what amazon's doing which is they're going to produce their own content but i'm equally surprised that streaming services haven't didn't go all in earlier outside obviously of espn trying to go all in Darevel, um action the action network each month through its award-winning app website podcast live shows videos and social handles as well as partnerships across pro sports leagues and media outlets the action network serves tens of millions of fans with credible betting content all right credible betting content give me one prop bet you like the best well you know i am a contrarian, and I, uh, you know, the biggest prop bet right now, 98% of the money is on Cooper Cup, 105 receiving yards. That's, I, I, I know he's, he's the option in this and that, and I, I just think that's going to creep up a little bit more and more. So I'd wait closer to the game, and if you could get like 107, 108, I would hit the under on that. Darren there's Bell. more value. There's more value inherently on unders than overs because people want to see offense. And I just, I, I, I have over time made a little bit more money betting on the unders. So I'm going to bet on the under to the biggest over in props. I, I love it. I love it. I, I would have bet. I would have bet an equal amount on somebody saying he's got deceptive speed. <laughs> than it would to him hitting, hitting 108 yards receiving. Oh, it's, it's always to say. It's always it's Wayne Corbett, always deceptive. Always coach's, deceptive. coach's kid, hard worker, high motor. Darren Ravel, <laughs> D-Rob, thanks so much. All right, be good. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Let's welcome in Rick Buecher, uh, NBA insider um, for Fox Sports 1. Of course, you also see him on uh, Speak for Yourself. And, uh, Buke, let's, let's begin with Russell Westbrook. 
Is there yeah. any way the Lakers can can they find a team like I know the Thunder have like twenty million twenty million below the floor they need to be for the salary cap? Is there right. is there a team out there that'll take that take that contract and buy him out? Um, I have not. I have I have not heard one to this point. So I, I and it's not just a matter of moving him and then uh, the Lakers moving on without him. Uh, Russell Westbrook still ideally plays a role for them some way, shape, or form. Like taking him out of the equation and not getting anything meaningful back doesn't really solve any problems for the Lakers at this point. They, they need certain things that they were hoping that Russell Westbrook would give them. The fact that they, he hasn't given them consistently and it doesn't necessarily fit with the other pieces doesn't mean it's, it's simply uh, addition by subtraction. Um, okay, so how does it look with the Lakers the rest of this season? It looks, honestly, looks like the way it has been when they've had Anthony Davis. I mean that that is the one that is the one element here that I think is being overlooked. We've gone from the Lakers are going to run the league and are going to just coast their way to a championship to now they're not going to make the playoffs or they're not a factor. Uh, I, the The truth has always been somewhere in between. Uh, I never had them as a title contender, but uh, if everybody's healthy, uh, they can be dangerous. In the postseason, they can they can win a round. They can get to the second round. I don't see them getting getting beyond that. But that's what they are. And if Anthony Davis is healthy and LeBron James is healthy and the pieces are all healthy, uh, I mean, for all that has gone wrong uh, with this season for them, they're still in the play-in uh, position. And that's what it may take for them to get into the playoffs. But uh, if they get there and they have everybody healthy, I still think they can be dangerous against almost anybody that they face. There's there one or two teams I don't think they have a chance, but Utah Jazz somehow end up with the best record in the league again. I, I think there's an opportunity for there, there, even if the Lakers are the eighth seed, that they might actually win a round. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. The other big talk of the NBA is James Harden. And the po- yeah. possibility of a move for, for Ben Simmons. What, what are you hearing? Like, we've heard lots of different stuff. What's really going on in Brooklyn in terms of the relationships within that club? Well, look, there are some questions James Harden has about whether this really works long term. And I, my understanding is that he's looking at what, how this, the rest of the season goes, what they're able to accomplish before he decides what he wants to do. But he's He has been introduced to the idea now that no matter what happens, he's not going to be what he was in Houston, which is whatever happened, James Harden was going to get full credit for it. He's the driving force of the team. Russ Westbrook comes to play with me. Like, it's it's my show. He now is learning what it's like to be in the universe that he was when he first came in the league, which is I'm playing with Kevin Durant. This is Kevin Durant's show, and it always will be. And whatever happens to us, it's going to be because of, of Kevin Durant. If we succeed, it's going to be because of Kevin Durant. If we fail, it's going to be me uh, or my fault or Kyrie's fault. It's, it's the LeBron James effect. And uh, if he ends up playing for a title, if he ends up getting to the finals, then I think that there's reason to say, okay, I, I wanna, I, I'll sign up for this because it gets me where I, I want to go that I've never been. 
But short of that, um, you know, if I go, maybe if I go to Philadelphia, if I rejoin Daryl Morey uh, and, and play with Joel Embiid, maybe I get to resume uh, a position like that or at least have a greater position than I do with the Brooklyn Nets. But in any case, the idea that a deal is going to be made by Thursday, I, I never – so much of this is Philadelphia-driven in terms of this idea that they are sitting back and they're just waiting for somebody to make them the offer that uh, is good enough for them is fast-ackwards from everything that I've heard about where, where things stand. Daryl Morey set the bar at a certain level. He's not going to back off of that, um, and so far – Nobody has been willing to to answer that that bill with a with a player of the magnitude that he is asking for, and that certainly includes James Harden. James Harden at that, at, this, at this point. Okay, so will Simmons be moved before the trade deadline? I don't see a way in which he will be, honestly, um, because it the his 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 trade value at the beginning of the year when this first happened was already negligible for what uh, for what Daryl Morey wanted. Um, and like an instance where I think, say with Portland last summer, uh, you didn't want C.J. McCollum in a boatload of picks. Uh, I, I think it, that was that was a possibility at that time. I think I think you could have made that happen. Now that's gone by the board because Portland's going in the other direction. They're looking to tear it down and rebuild. Uh, so where are you going to go with a Ben Simmons that it makes sense and you're going to get the caliber of player that you want back? I, it, it, I have not, I've yet to hear of a deal that is going to bring back that kind of a player. And so now we get, we're, uh, if anything happens, I would imagine it's more around the draft and it becomes positioning of, because the draft is a lot deeper than college scouts uh, or talent evaluators originally thought, uh, I, I think there are going to be fewer deals at the trade deadline, and there are going to be more deals made around the draft because this draft is a little richer than they anticipated, and that would include Ben Simmons. Okay, the, the Clippers traded for Norman Powell, what looks like, and, and traded Eric Bledsoe, right? Yep. looks like Portland. Brilliant, brilliant, by the way. I mean, Lawrence Frank getting, Dennis Shru, uh, getting Eric Bledsoe for Pat Bev and Rajon Rondo, utilizing him at the beginning of the year, starting him 21 games, eating minutes, while Serge Ibaka and Marcus Morris are out and they're recovering from injuries, and then moving him for a Norm Powell and a Robert Covington, who now gives you the, the – I wouldn't be surprised if Covington gets moved on or it gives him the flexibility to move Serge Ibaka or Marcus Morris to, uh, to, to get yet another piece to upgrade yet again, just masterful, I mean, master strokes by Lawrence Frank over the last year. Do, they, do you think they have Paul George? And, I mean, like, what, what, what does their team look like at the end of the season? Yeah. Or, or is this for next season? Yeah, it's, it's, that was my first thought when they made the deal. I, my first thought, uh, Doug, was, Oh, this must this must mean they, they they're getting Paul George and Kawhi Leonard back. They're making a run now, and I, um, from what I've been told, it's it's not that they're confident that those two are going to be back. Paul George is still up in the air. Kawhi Leonard is still doubtful. 
what they saw was an opportunity to get a piece like Norman Powell, who played, uh, won a championship with Kawhi in Toronto, was averaging 19 with two ball-dominant guys in Portland. And so coming off the bench and being a scorer, like you can just imagine what he can do. He's just such a great fit for them. And he is signed to a contract that is, uh, that is team friendly over the next four years. And, uh, and, and so it is both the short term. If, if, you know, they can get somewhere this year, if they can still make the playoffs, if, you know, that it, 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 it provides that, but it's also playing the long game. Uh, and, and where if, you know, he's not going anywhere. He's in his prime. He's what, 27 years old. He's going to be just as good next year when Kawhi and Paul George are back. So that's why I believe it was just, it's a home run, home run move for the Los Angeles Clippers. And as hard as it is to wrap our heads around this idea with the Clippers, the Clippers are operating like a very smart franchise. It also helps that Steve Ballmer is willing to spend whatever is necessary because this does, this does raise their tax sufficiently. But you can, if you can get a Norman Powell – uh, at this stage, and you can get it for a bunch of pieces that have absolutely no value to you going forward, by all means, you do it. Well, look, uh, it also helps. You mentioned Portland. Dame Lillard out for the year. So yeah. they're, they're, they got that Powell contract off the books, and they got some expiring right. deals here, right? Right. Do, right. Does this, does, is this the sign that they're, they're, they're going to move on from Lillard at the end of the year, or are they going to reconfigure around Lillard at the end of the year? Yeah, I, I believe that what you're going to see, you're going to see C.J. McCollum moved by the trade deadline as well. Um, I believe this is we're, we're going to tear it down and we're going to rebuild. And what they're going to do is give Damian the Supermax extension that he wanted. Um, and they can say, hey, look, we, we, we've gone to the wall trying it this way. We, we're not good enough. So we need to we, we need to kind of start over, and we're gonna we're gonna take care of you financially, so that you still will have a shot at winning something when this is all over. And I believe that that Chris Paul, being where he is, um, going to the finals at his age last year for the first time, potentially winning a ring this year, I think that changes the equation for someone like Damian Lillard, who looks at it and says. Yeah, I'm going to be 35, and <laughs> I'm going to be 35 in two years when this teardown and rebuild may start to show some fruition. But look at Chris Paul; like he's still making money. He's still, you know, a integral part of a team. Like I, we we could be the Phoenix Suns in Portland. So I get my money, and um, I get to stay in Portland and still be the guy, and. Uh, and I still believe that there's a shot at me being uh, end up uh, having a shot at a ring here and being the reason for it as opposed to going anyplace else and being the number two. Because that, does, that doesn't just change that he's not the guy, that he's, that he's climbing back on someone else's back to win a ring, but it changes the dynamic for him from a business standpoint too because so much of what he's built off the court yeah. is, is because he's, the, he's the, the little guy that could, he's the underdog. Um, and he's the number one guy in a small market like that. That has a brand value for him that would be lost if he went someplace else. Might win a ring, 
but uh, he'd lose everything else. Buke, you're the best, man. Uh, talk to you soon. Thank you so much for joining us. You got it, Doug.